turn it over to Steve Galinsky, who I will ask the question always All these restaurants that we see you at, with your face, have you really visited all of them? Yes, I really have visited all of them. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't, they wouldn't get a picture unless I had been, I liked it, we did a story, and then we send it to them. There you go. He's yes. been to a lot of places. That's all I can say. Yeah. Well, I've been, I've been doing this for about 23 years. Um, I started at uh, CLTV at the Good Eating Show in uh, 95. And then in 03, I went over to ABC. I just had my 15th anniversary there. And as you may or may not know, I do two stories a week uh, at Channel 7 on Fridays at 11.50 a.m. and Saturdays at 10 p.m. And about two and a half years ago, one in Rock, Steve, thank you. About two and a half years ago, uh, I read another listicle online saying these were the seven hottest pizzas in Chicago. And I disagreed with it vehemently because I had been to two of the places the week previous and I thought this is just. It's kind of a bogus list. It's just the most recent places that have opened in Chicago that happen to serve pizza. And so I wondered, had anybody actually done the deep dive in Chicago? Like I'd, I'd done a deep dive on Italian beef, and I'd done kind of a deep dive on Vietnamese pho, about 31 places each. And I looked up online and there was no trace of anybody doing Chicago pizza, which I thought was kind of crazy. And so I started going down this rabbit hole of Checking out places, setting up a methodology, every order was kind of the same, half sausage, half pepperoni. Discovered a lot more than deep dish in tavern style. I'm going to talk about all that in a bit. Um, but first we're going to actually do a demonstration. Uh, because once you do a demonstration, then they're actually going to make the pies and then I can talk about the book and the research. Um, so Pete's going to be, uh, we're going to do this together I guess. Yeah, yeah? absolutely. Um, we're going to do two, style, two different pizzas. One's going to be a basic margarita, right? Right. Because every time I did, the re when I was researching the book, I would either get a half sausage, half pepperoni. Unless it was a Neapolitan or chefy place, in which case I'd get a margarita, just cheese and sauce. Because I wanted to compare apples to apples. So I did go to the Devanti in River North, which is no longer with us, sadly. But that's where I had a margarita. And you're also going to do one with Telegio mushrooms, leeks. A little bit of Fontina. A little Fontina. So, which one do you want to do first? Uh, let's do the basic margarita because that's kind of like the staple mark for any okay. pizza place I go into. So my whole thing with pizza is it's all about the dough. It's all about the crust. The dough becomes crust once it's baked. Um, so in terms of dough at a Neapolitan style place, we're talking Caputo, typically double zero flour. Double zero just refers to the milling of the grain. It's the most finely milled, which is why it's really delicate and light. So when you go to places like Sapori Napolitani or Forno Rosso or Spacanopoli, it's a very tender, delicate, soft outer perimeter called the Cornicione. Um, and so do you use double zero here? Yes, correct. Okay, and it's from Caputo. Correct. Okay. Um, um, but so let's kind of, I guess if you want to just get, get right into it as well. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, the, this particular dough is about a 10-inch pie. You want to grab one? Okay. Now, now it looks fairly wet, um, and there's a bit of moisture, and a lot of times pizza geeks talk about hydration levels. And so do you, is that a focus for like 62%, 65% hydration? At least. Um, as, well, when it, during the summer months here in Chicago, it's a little bit humid, so you got to have to watch it, you know, when you open and close the door. So, um, yeah, and that's that also kind of transcends, we have a prep kitchen in the bottom because this actual 
restaurant or this whole uh, building is over 100 years old. So everything takes a lot of tender care. So And so you don't want to overwork this because you've got gluten in here, obviously, the gluten strands. You don't ever see a Neapolitan chef rolling it out with a rolling pin. You don't even really see the tossing very much. No. Right? Yeah, But exactly. you've got a lot of air in here because the yeast has been eating the sugars for at least a day, I'm guessing. Uh-huh. Yeah, and we also use a madre and a biga, too. So we okay. have a madre that's been around for probably seven years. So he means a madre as in a mother starter, like a natural starter, which you feed every day with a little bit of water and a little bit of flour. Um, and then a biga is a partial ferment. Right, so that gives the dough a little bit of extra sort of texture, complexity. I'm gonna, I, so I've never really done this, so I'm gonna just kind of follow along. No, you're perfect. But you, I'm, it's basically like, I wanna say like wax on, wax off. Yeah. Right? At the same time too. Good Ralph kind of, Macchio reference. Right, exactly. All right, or Pat Narita, yeah, okay. All right, and then you kind of like just get it to the desired, um, desired size you want. There, I, I think the one thing I would say is um, one of the one of my mentors, in fact, taught me how to do. It's all about the ingredients necessarily, um, and the art is just kind of making sure you don't screw it up. So, in this particular case, we got great dough, great San Marzano tomatoes, great fiore di latte. Do you want to talk about fiore di latte a little bit? Right. So, to be a Neapolitan pie, you have to use you have to check a lot of boxes. You have to use fior de latte, which is fresh mozzarella, not a part skim or a whole milk mozzarella. You've got to use San Barzano tomatoes that come from near Mount Vesuvius. You've got to do it in a wood-burning oven that bakes between 850 and about 950 degrees Fahrenheit. All these boxes have to be checked in order to get what's called a VPN, uh, Vera Pizza Napolitana certification. It's kind of like getting a kosher certification. It does cost money. A lot of places decide not to do it because they don't need to spend the extra money to get a certificate to hang on their wall. Uh, but Fior de Latte is very important with a, a Neapolitan-style pizza. Okay. It's got a lot of moisture to it as well, but it's got a lot. It's, it's just great, rich cow flavor. Okay. Okay. So, um, small. Yeah, no, it's okay. I don't want to break it. No, you won't. I, right. I, won't let, I won't let that happen. All right. All right, so it's about 12 inches across or yeah. so, yeah. So you okay. rotate and pull? Yeah, rotate and pull at the same time too. And we actually have a marble board that we use. I prefer to use wood just because that's how my mother taught me over there. So my mom said, hi, mom. Hey, mom. <laughs> so okay, um, the sauce now, you were telling me you actually go to Italy. Yeah. And you pick out the, the crop? Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, in uh, right outside of Mount Vesuvia in a small town called Batebalia, which is in Campania, um, this particular brand of tomatoes is called the Taylor Tomato. Um, ironically, there's seven different vari 17 different varietals of San Marzanos. This particular one we love. There's a lot of other ones, but this particular one we tried four different fields. We like this one the most, so that's one we went with. So, And most people just buy the cans. They get a 7-Eleven, yeah. or they get a Sapori Filetti, or they get whatever that, you know, Rich Labriola uses three kinds. He uses crushed, pureed, and uh, peeled tomatoes. Uh, but he's not an Neapolitan joint, so he doesn't even have the San Marzano necessarily. But normally San Marzano's, they just buy them from a supplier. Mm -hmm. um, so it's impressive that you actually get to go pick it out. Typically, you got to be a big dog like Malnati yeah. to go say, I want all these tomatoes, you know, basically harvest them for me. So this 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 kind of all we've done is puree them uh, and then combine them with a little bit of salt and a touch of extra virgin olive oil. And there's a little bit of basil actually it, with the tomatoes, too. So it's just the tomato, the juice, salt, extra virgin olive oil and basil. So this is all you need. You want me to show you one or you want yeah. to you want to put it on? Uh, well, let's see, I would go got probably it. in the middle. Okay. And then I would just do a little. You don't need much. 
Right, you want to go. You want to go very light touch. A lot of people in Chicago think more is better, especially with their stuffed or deep pies. And I'm a big proponent of sort of OBR, optimal bite ratio. You don't want to have an overwhelming amount of cheese or sauce in your mouth. Is that about good? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. All right. Um, so a light, just a light amount. Yeah. Typically, yeah. And then, um, I mean, you want to talk about the, yeah. you talked about the cheese a little bit. Okay, so, so yes, this cheese, it's almost got like strands inside and um, it's got a lot of fat. It's got a lot of flavor. Uh, it will, it will definitely melt out into larger discs on the pizza, and I want to space them out at least, I don't know, inch or two across or apart from each other because I don't want necessarily to form Pangea, the old continent. But I do want, um, I do want a little bit of kind of overlap, but not much. That's probably too much. What do you think? I said I think that's perfect. Is it good? Yeah. All right. One ball. Okay. So then I have some basil there. Um, I'm gonna put that on. You can either uh, do the basil on or off. It's up to you. This is actually just under a ball. Is that enough? Yeah. I wish during the summer times we have a little bit of gar we have a garden upstairs, but not now. So you go basil now? Yeah, this I go basil now. Oh, okay. Um, and then uh, hit it with extra virgin olive oil and uh, a little bit of kosher salt. So a place in New York. So for, for the for the book, I decided that since. Um, the book was all about how great Chicago pizza is, that New York-based writers would be all over me, of course. And so I took it upon myself to uh, reach out to some professional food writers in New York who I trust, and I asked them to give me their must-visit pizza places. And they gave me a list of about 56 places, um, which seems like a lot. I'd only been to six of them previously. Um, so I planned four trips to New York. I went to about 13 places each visit. Um, one of the places is in Midwood in Brooklyn called DeFara, and Dom DeMarco always cuts his basil at the very end. He snips it over the pizza at the very end, which is a great touch. After it comes out of the oven or before? After it comes out of the oven. Yeah. So I just hit it with a little bit of flour, a little bit right. of flour, and then we're going to loosen up. No, no, and I'll go right into the oven right there. So it was important he kept the flour on the base and then he sort of worked his peel under it because we still had flour under there and this very gently transferred it onto the peel. So what was the dough made? Today. Today. Yeah. What's that? How long did it grab? Um, basically at least 10 hours out, outside. Um, outside, but I mean covered. Now, if, then, you, if you didn't use a mother starter or a biga, though, you yeah. probably want to do this overnight. Correct. Yeah. And that's a, that's a dry active yeast or live yeast, but we the yeast is actually in the biga and originally from the madre. So it's super easy to do. You should definitely look it up, how to make it. So I'm going to go to the oven real All right. quick. All right. Okay. Um, and so I'll tell you a little more about the book. So... Uh, what did I say? So, uh, okay, so I did the methodology taking notes, copious notes as I was going out, usually three or four places a day. I tried to do everything within the first three months. So I hit 76 places in the first three months and I discovered that there were actually 10 styles of pizza in Chicago, not just two. They are thin, which I define as just a wedge cut, exposed heel, um, not cracker thin, but thin. And then there's tavern style, which I call Chicago style pizza. Uh, square cut, thin and crispy, also known as a tavern pie. Uh, good examples would be 
Baracos or Pats um, or Trianos on the southwest side. Uh, and then we've got Neapolitan we just described. We've got Artisan, which is a longer fermentation, much more moisture in the dough, homemade toppings. Um, you want to talk about this one now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. Okay. I'll so, continue that conversation. Okay, so um, we have roasted mushrooms over here. Um, and then um, um, you've got a mixture of portobello and cremini. And these are from Nichols Farms, which is one of the farmers that we use actually for our produce. You go mushrooms first? Um, no, actually no. go... Uh, cheese. Yeah, yeah the yeah. cheese. So this is a shredded fontina? Correct. Okay. Oh, I love fontina cheese. So again, I always use a light hand because I just... I know people love Chicago pizza and oven grinder, but I just feel like it's a little bit overkill for me, and it's a mouthful of cheese, and I want to have really equal amounts in every bite. And then uh, I'll go with the leeks right here. So these are just uh, sautéed in a little bit of butter and uh, a little bit of extra virgin olive oil, salt, and pepper. Okay. And the reason why I put the leeks on there is because the oven's a little bit hotter, so it doesn't uh, totally caramelize the leeks. You want to taste the flavor of it. So it's a little cross between like an onion and garlic. That's what a leek is. So. I love melted leeks. All right. All right, and then uh, we'll go mushrooms. All right. These are all creminis. Uh, cremini and a little well, cremini is a baby portobello, but yeah. So basically, that's what it is. All right. Sometimes I'll use oysters or kind of the woods or during mushroom season, which is right now. So last week we ran a special with uh, three or four different kinds of mushrooms, um, which is awesome. So one of the things that I hated about doing this research for the book was that I couldn't get a mushroom and leek pizza anywhere. <laughs> um, every order was either margarita or half sausage, half pepperoni. So that was frustrating. Um, everything on here, Ryan did everything? Uh, yeah, Ryan did everything. Right. So this is the uh, Taleggio cheese. This is also DOP as well, too. That just means it's a protected uh, name like champagne or feta. No, just, just kind of like balancing out too. Okay. You're, you're absolutely right on the bite ratio of everything. All right, and then uh, finish it up with a little bit of mozzarella on top. All right. Wow. Three cheeses. Okay. Yeah, so the, the uh, Taleggio is a little bit, uh, I call it, has a little more terroir to it. That's what they call it, the terra. Barnyard? So barnyard, barnyard yeah. yeah. And then the mozzarella is a little bit creamier and lighter and, and well-balanced. And then you also have the fontina, which kind of is uh, almost like a Swiss or an Emmental. So it's got a little bit of uh, uh, more bite or acidity to it. So, you know, I always like Pecorino Romano because it's a little sharp, sort of sheep's milk, and it's a little nutty and salty. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of Chicago places, like when they have red sauce on top, we'll yeah. finish it with Pecorino Romano. But um, And then a little pinch of salt. A little bit of olive oil, and then uh, we'll finish it with that. We'll finish it with uh, um, a little truffle oil at the end um, when it's out of the oven, and that's it. All right. Perfect. Yeah. You want to take a look at this? This is kind of what it looks like. So actually, how we kind of create that barrier. Cornichon, cornichon, cornichone, cornichon. The heel. You can actually separate that. Uh, this is similar to a Neapolitan style too, but you know, it's um, it's actually called de la terra. De la terra. 
So the style is certainly Neapolitan, but some purists would say, well, it's an American Neapolitan, because again, Neapolitan has to be wood-burning oven, about 900 degrees Fahrenheit, and his oven is gas-fired, sometimes fed with wood, just for flavor, but he's averaging between six and 700 degrees Fahrenheit. So these pies take six minutes or so to bake, and a typical Neapolitan will take 90 seconds. And that's why the middles of those pies are very wet, because there's just not enough time to cook out the liquid to reduce it. And so a lot of Americans complain when they go to Neapolitan joints and say, this is underdone, send it back. I want it done more, well done. And that's not the case. It's just, it's a wetter pie that requires knife and fork. So back to the styles. So we had thin, tavern style, Neapolitan, artisan, New York style. So big giant slices, foldable in the back, on a paper plate, sometimes greasy. Uh, those are the five thins. And then we've got, that looks pretty good. Yeah. And we got deep. And deep started in 1943, of course, uh, at Pizzeria Uno, which wasn't called Pizzeria Uno in 43, but I'll talk about that in a second. And then we had stuffed, which was created in 1974 at uh, Giordano's on the south side. Uh, Sicilian, which is a pan-style pizza in a rectangular pan, where the dough is pushed out, left to proof overnight, and then topped and baked. You'll find that at Cecilia Baker in the Northwest Side or D'Amato's on Grand Avenue. We've got Detroit style. A friend from Detroit's in the room. Uh, a lot more Detroit than you think. Uh, Fat Chris's Pizza and such on Foster. Long Acre on Wilson. Union Squared in Evanston and Revival Food Hall. Several Pauly G's in Logan Square is doing a square uh, Detroit style pizza. And then Roman Altaglio, which is by the cut, which means with the scissors, you tell them how much you want, they cut it with scissors, they weigh it, you pay by the pound. This comes from a place called the Pizzarium in Rome. Gabriele Bonci is the chef there. He's got three in Rome, one in Lucca. And they, the investors from the U.S. went to approach him in Rome, asked him to come to the U.S. The first place they opened in the U.S. was in the West Loop in Chicago. The second place they opened up in, in America was in Bucktown. Um, and so it's essentially a pan done in a rectangular pan, 36 to 72 hour fermentation, which is quite a bit. Three different types of flour, double zero, organic, um, and a whole wheat, and lots of moisture. 70% hydration in that dough. Uh, all kinds of seasonal toppings. About a thousand flavors in Rome, but about 60 that rotate in Chicago. Everything from burrata to andouille to octopus to zucchini. Really interesting flavor. You should, if you have, has anybody been to Bonchi here? A couple of you, not many. You need to go to Bonchi, guys. Go to Bonchi. Um, after you go here, of course. So this looks great. Um, and you typically serve a cut? Uh, yeah, they cut it. They cut it right before it goes out to the table. So okay. Um, whereas in Francesca's, they'll cut it at the table there. Okay. Yeah, some pizzalos are particular about serving it whole and having you cut it. The only place I know of in Chicago, the two places where you can cut it yourself at the table are Roots um, in West Town, which is a, a Quad City style pizza with more malt in the dough, or Cote di Volpe uh, up on Southport. One of the few places that actually has a VPM certification, uh, they give you the scissors to cut it as well. So, okay, so you guys are gonna go to work, yeah? Yeah, yeah, we're going on some pizzas right now at the okay. same time too. Uh, one thing I just wanted to mention about the grilled pizza too, which you really haven't seen. Yes. So, and I'll do one of those for Okay, you. so right. grilled, anybody been or heard of Al Forno in Providence, Rhode Island? Yes. Okay, that is the birthplace of grilled pizza. Uh, George German and Joanne Killeen, I believe. They've been around since the 80s. I've always, want, that was like one of my bucket list places. I want to go to Al Forno. Um, Pete knows it. 
been there, worked there. Yeah, I worked there for about five years. There was one place that was open for about three months on Clybourne called Blaze Something Pizza, and it closed. They were doing grilled pizza, allegedly. It didn't work. But I've been dying to find a grilled pizza, and now they have it in Highwood, apparently, at right. DeSoto. Right. So I want to go check that place out immediately. What's the big difference there in terms of dough um, and prep? Just the, I think just the, the, it's this, the prep itself, or the cooking method is really what it boils down to. Like everything is, as you know, is like perfectly round and it looks like symmetrical. Every pizza wants to look perfect. The art behind that was just that it was almost flopped on the grill. And as it was um, being cooked from the bottom with the embers of the hardwood charcoal, what it did was created almost like a naan and pita bread at the same time. So you got the crispy naan and you got the light and chewy pita at the same time too. It was grilled on one side, it was flipped, and this was all an accident by the way. This was, yeah, it was all, it was a mistake. And then finally, so I was fortunate enough to work with Joanne and George for a number of years. I brought it to Chicago up in Highwood. They make it up there, it's a phenomenal pizza. The pizzas again, um, are they're kind of world famous. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, and um, I mean it just they're just a it's just a blessing to have worked there and then just try it. If you've never had it before, you should definitely try it. Light, crispy, chewy, and it's got to be served immediately, like everything. But this particular one is insane. Yeah. You're not that far from New Haven, which is another style in Connecticut, but very different. Yeah. That's a coal-fired oven, blistered, misshapen edge. So, um, okay, so first round, I went to, I spent three months going to 76 places. Only about 48 of those were recommendable. So when I pitched the idea to the publisher uh, about a book, they said, can you do 100 or 101? I said, okay, well, that's going to mean a lot more pizza eating. So I took another three months and went to another 109. So I ended up going to 185 in all in the region to get to 101 recommended. Because I'm telling you, every time you go to three pizza places, only one's going to be memorable. Right, John? So, uh, 101 are recommended. And then again, they're broken into 10 different categories, as I just went through. Um, I found that Chicago's predominant style is tavern style. It's square-cut, thin and crispy pizza. Barnaby's on the North Shore is a good example. That's what we eat every day, every week. That's not... The tourists don't, they're not interested in that. They just want to have a big above ground outdoor pool, right? A big stuffed pie. That's what they want to eat. Um, and yet again, that was created in 1974 at Giordano's and in Nancy's. Um, but Vito and Nick's has been around since the 30s. Uh, Home Run Inn's been around since the 40s. So Uno's, where Deep Dish was born, um, 1943. So Ike Sewell and Rick Ricardo had a bar. It's called Ricardo's. And they eventually started serving pizzas there, like most places did, for free. You pass around a little square cut pie because you want to get everybody to drink more beer, order more beer, right? How do you get them to do that? You give them something salty. More pizza, please. So pass the little squares around and get them to eat. Well, in 42, Ike Sewell, who was from Texas, wanted, had this idea, let's give them something bigger, better. You know, Texas, everything's bigger and better in Texas. But also the GIs coming back from the war, let's give them something of value more than this little freebie sort of afterthought. So they asked Blodgett, their oven company, uh, to give them specs on a pan, uh, which didn't exist. They, used, they ended up using a cake pan, which was in existence. 
and they built the pie this way. And the guy in the kitchen at the time, his name was Adolfo Malnati. Adolfo went by the nickname Rudy. So Adolfo was right off the boat from Italy. He was just happy to have a job, frankly. And he ended up working on this pie, which was dough first, um, proofed overnight, and then slices of mozzarella to protect the bottom layer of dough, not shreds, slices of whole milk mozzarella. And then you're topping whatever it was, you know, bulk sausage. If you're from Chicago, we have bulk sausage. On the East Coast, they're links. They're slices of sausage, look like coins. Much sweeter, hardly any fennel. We just take for granted the fact that we have this great bulk sausage in Chicago because the Italians created that here in Chicago. So bulk sausage, um, and then your chunky sauce, and that's it. That's your build. The difference between that and a, and a stuffed is that once you get to your cheese layer and your topping, then you add another layer of dough, a thin layer of uncooked dough, and then you add a lake of tomato sauce on top of that. That's your stuffed pie. So anyway, Adolfo builds this deep pie. It doesn't do well. It does not take off. No one is clamoring for it. There's no Chicago Magazine writing about it. There's nobody blogging, talking about uh, this deep pie. They were actually more interested in Mexican food. They opened up Sucasa around the corner. So 12 years later, they opened up Douay. And when they opened up Douay, they said, we should really name Ricardo's or the pizzeria something else. Why don't we call that Uno? Since that was the first place we had. So Uno's became Uno in 55. Um, at this time, Adolfo's son, his first son, Lou, you might have heard of Lou Malnati, um, asked Mr. Sewell, how are we going to work this transition? How am I going to buy the business from you? I've been, I've been managing, I've been working here. How am I going to buy the business from you one day? And Sewell said, I don't know what you're talking about. You're not my kid. You are the kid of one of my employees. I'm not selling the business to you. He ended up selling it to a Boston-based company, which still owns Uno's. They've gone in and out of bankruptcy once, actually. Um, and so it's been a Boston-based company for over 35 years. Uh, so when that happened, Lou said, forget this, I'm out of here. And in 1971, he and his wife opened up Lou Malnati's on St. Patrick's Day in Lincolnwood, which was then a very Jewish neighborhood. So it's interesting, an Italian kid on St. Patrick's Day opens in a Jewish neighborhood, and lo and behold, maybe this was a sign from God, but a car crashed through the front window on the first day in business. No joke. Um, his wife said, you're crazy, we should have never done this, this is a bad sign. Lou said, no, we're sticking with this, and as you all know from Chicago, there are now 52 Lou Malnati's. Most of them are in the Chicago land. Some are in Arizona because we have snowbirds down there. Um, but then fast forward 20 years, uh, Adolfo got remarried, and they had a second son named Rudy, Rudy Jr. And Rudy opened up a place called Paisano's in 1991. So 20 years later, his half-brother, Lou, Lou's half-brother, Rudy, opened up Paisano's. And so both businesses kind of claim the origin story, and rightly so, because both both their dads were Adolfo, same guy that worked in the original Kitchen Unos. Now, there's another place called Luisa's in Crestwood. Anybody been there? Yes. No. Um, Louise Benash. Yes. Benash. Okay. All right. One person. Louise, two. That's right. <laughs> Louise Benash was a server at uh, Douay's in the 50s. So she was also privy to seeing how the kitchen operated. And they can also kind of claim an origin story for Deep Dish in Crestwood. It's kind of interesting. You see these different factions, different families. Same thing on the tavern style of the coin. Anybody been to Vito and Nick's on 84th and Pulaski? Yes? Anybody else been to Vito and Nick's? All right, great. So that's a pilgrimage-worthy tavern style, um, 84th and Pulaski. Vito and Nick's, they're coming up on 100 years pretty soon, but they've been doing pizza since the 40s. 
and it is my favorite tavern style in the city. But they also have a connection to Baracos, even though they'll say on their website, we have no connection to Baracos, because uh, Vito Baracco got sponsored by the original Vito to come over from Italy in the 40s. And he had to sponsor somebody back then. He and his wife ended up leaving and opening up Baracos on the southwest side. So there's a little bit of bad blood there. On the north side, anybody heard, well, you've heard of Pat's, maybe? Pat's Pizza? Sure. Since 1950. They moved in 04 from across the street from the Vic to where they are now on, on Lincoln. But Pat, the, the namesake, his real name was Nick, but he went by Pat. His sister was a woman named Leona. Anybody heard of Leona's Pizza? Yeah. So, and they get along. And they're in the thin camp. So there's all these different stories that I discovered from obviously doing the book and asking people questions about it, which was kind of fascinating, frankly. But the majority of the book is really tavern style. 25% of the book is square cut, thin and crispy, because as I would call these places anonymously, hey, what are you guys known for? What do you sell the most of? What's your specialty? Eight and a half times out of 10, they would say thin. And in Chicago, what does thin mean, everybody? Square cut, tavern style, square cut, sauce and cheese all the way to the edge, very crispy bottom, like Pat's. Pat's is a great example of tavern style. So that is why the majority of the book is tavern style. And yet, and yet, all your friends and relatives, when they come to Chicago, what do they want? Deep dish. Now, just to remind you, deep dish is not stuffed. So if you take them to Giordano's, that is not a deep dish pizza. And yet, a lot of people wait in line outside of Giordano's for two hours on a Friday night in the middle of summer and think they're going to have a deep dish pizza. And it's not. It's stuffed. It's totally different. It's one of the major reasons why people in New York, from The Daily Show to The Tonight Show to whatever, mock us that think we have this deep dish pie that has these two layers of dough. And that's one of the reasons I'm doing this book and doing the tour and doing our pizza tours to debunk this. So five months ago, we started a pizza tour business called Pizza City USA. PizzaCityUSA.com is where you want to go. And we do walking tours on the weekends. We do a bus tour on the weekend. And after next week, the walking tours go away. And we just do bus tours on Saturdays and Sundays. And every tour is four styles of pizza in about three hours. So that's what we're hoping to show people. There's more than deep. There's more than stuff. There's more than tavern style, right? There's Sicilian and Roman and Neapolitan. So four styles of pizza in about three hours um, to convince all these tourists and visitors that we have a lot more to offer. So that's why we started the tour business. Any questions? Yeah. Um, I've got about eight or nine. Yep. Yeah. So one of the chapters is on New York Slices. Uh, Jimmy's on Foster and Lincoln is kind of my favorite, I think. Um, there's a place called Gigio's. Um, it should be, what makes it unique? A, a slightly crispy bottom, which we call the undercarriage. It's slightly brown. It's not going to be white or manila. It's actually light, lightly tan. Um, so there's a little bit of crunch to it when you bite into it. Um, it's foldable. So you would definitely want to fold it from the back end, not in half. When the tip stays out there. You fold it on the heel. Um, and there's actually a little bit of what we call open crumb on the heel, so little air pockets showing that there was moisture and a little bit of fermentation that happened. Um, when you bite into that, it's like biting into really good bread. It's not biting into cardboard. And even layer of cheese. Now again, in New York, you'd say, I want a slice. Give me a slice. What does that mean in New York? The flavor. Cheese, right. It's a cheese slice. Sometimes pepperoni. Typically not sausage, because you get those dumb links 
of sweet sausage. But in Chicago, since we are Chicago, we created Italian bulk sausage here with quite a bit of fennel and sometimes a little Calabrian chili. At Jimmy's, you can get crumbled sausage on your pizza. Most places you get, a, you get sausage flavor will be a crumbled sausage. And so it goes on raw, what we call pinch and press. Pinch it and pressing it onto the pizza. And then that fat renders into the dough when it's being baked, which gives you all this great flavor in the dough, which does not happen on the East Coast. Um, but uh, so GGO's is good. Um, what is it, Jimmy's? There's a couple others I can't off the top of my head, but when the book shows up from the publisher in a mi any minute, we can look through it. But yes, there are some good New York slices. Oh, Boiler Room in uh, Logan Square is an excellent New York slice. Dante's, another good New York slice. They're on our tours. Thank you, John. Yes, Dante's is good. Burton Pequot. So, so that. Louisa Chu from the Tribune and I have had an argument about this because she was friends with Bert. I met Bert once. Bert called it a pan pizza. So she, she, Louisa told me you have to abide by whatever the creator called it. He says it was a pan pizza. I disagree politely. It's technically a deep dish. All deeps are pans. Not all pans are deep. Well, it's not a Detroit pizza. Um, it's only Detroit because you've got a caramelized edge, but the focaccia middle is very Detroit style. And it's also a crispy bottom Detroit, and this is done in a round pan, and Detroit's a square pan, and Detroit will proof it overnight with pepperoni and cheese and brick cheese, and Bert will not use brick cheese, he'll use mozzarella. So it's a, it is a deep pizza done in a round pan, um, but, so, but my argument is that all deeps are pans, not all pans are deep, right? You can have a square pan, a uh, Detroit pan is a square pan, a Sicilian is a rectangular pan, uh, but again, Bert's and Pequod's, you get that caramelized perimeter of mozzarella, which has now been adopted by Labriola, which has been around since 46 at Buddy's in Detroit. So three years after Deepdish was created in Chicago, Buddy's in Detroit was putting the Sicilian immigrants had these square pans laying around. They're like, what do we do with all these pans? They put dough into it and waited overnight, let it proof, and then pushed brick cheese on top all the way to the edge with pepperoni slices. And then after they baked it, would put two stripes of tomato sauce across the top. And that's Detroit style. Very different from what Bert's does. But I would say it's a deep dish with a unique twist. Okay? Krusty to who? Yeah, he was just a crusty. He was a character, right? He was like the soup Nazi. But pizza. You had to order it, pre-order it. You could tell them what time you're going to be there. That's a whole system. The guys from Great Lake were like that as well when Great Lake was open. You know, no table, no parties over four. Uh, penalized if a party of five or six shows up. Alios in Madison? No. Not a top five for me. Alios Pizza on Fire in, in Addison. It's a good pizza. It's not a top five. They're in the book, in the chapters. Oh. Yeah, they're, every chapter has a top five at the end of the chapter. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's good. if you eat like 10 pizzas, it would be my top five. If you have 185, it would not be my top five. It just it depends how many, what's your sample size, right? So you can have one slice my number one slice is a is a grandma from I think they call it a Sicilian because it's a little high. Grandma slash Sicilian from Defara in Brooklyn. I also really love the slice at Best Pizza in Williamsburg, partly because in the tomato sauce he blends in anchovy, basil, and garlic. He bakes it in a wood-fired oven first and then finishes it in gas. But grandma, anybody know what grandma is? So it's a very East Coast thing. So when I said there are 10 styles in Chicago, there are only five styles in New York. New York Slice, 
Sicilian grandma artisan Neapolitan. Grandma is like a Sicilian, except unlike a Sicilian, you push into a pan, you let it rise overnight, and then you bake it the next day. Grandma, you push it into a square pan that's oiled, top it and bake it. There is no rising. So it's a shorter pie. Uh, but I really like that style. It's almost a little bit focaccia-esque. There's like some air pockets, some crumb in the middle. You can actually chew it, but the bottom's crispy. And, it depend and typically they're built upside down. So cheese and then sauce. And I like that combination. So best, best in Williamsburg or Defara in Brooklyn. Book on New York next? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I've been to 60 places in New York, all of which are documented at pizzacityusa.com under other cities. I wrote about a couple of other places. So I, I have all those places from New York. Yeah, it would, it would involve a lot more eating though and going back and note-taking, which I'm not sure I want to do again. All by geography. Um, so one trip, I just got an Airbnb in the middle of Brooklyn and did that in Staten Island. And I was able to walk everywhere or have friends drive me, but I was really careful about you know, geography. So one trip was just you know Manhattan. Yes. Oh, stomach. Uh, two bites to begin with. If it's not good after two bites, I'm done. So one of the one of the tip and one of the heel, and then if it's great, probably finish the slice. But typically, not eat the whole slice. No, a lot of willpower because you know you've got like six more to go. Well, this is a unique one. Yeah, that's a. Well, there's one in Morton Grove where it started, and then there's one in Lincoln Park. I've I've not been to the one in Morton Grove, which I've heard is actually better than Lincoln Park. The one in Lincoln Park, I think, suffers from a ratio problem. Too much dough on the bottom. And one of my big things about rating places in the book was OBR, optimal bite ratio. So OBR is a term I throw around a lot because, again, you want equal in every bite. You should have cheese, sauce, topping dough, right? You don't want to have a mouthful of dough. And that's typically the, the stuffed experience. But Pequot's... You put the cheese on the bottom, like it's a deep dish build. But that difference is that they have caramelized, sort of burnt cheese on the outer perimeter edge. So they push the cheese all the way to the edge of the pan, whereas most deeps do not do that. One of my burnt cats, yeah. Well, Bert was mad that well, he had gotten rid of full Pequod's. I think was annoyed at what they had done with Lincoln Park. And then he said, I'm opening up my own place, it's called Bert's Place. But now the sad thing was he passed away and there wasn't really um, a passing of the torch like it should have been. By the time they settled on the uh, paperwork, he was already in the hospital and the, the new owners were bringing him dough samples to the hospital that he would touch and then go yay or nay. But it wasn't like working at the master's side, you know, in the kitchen, which I think is a, a problem. For the book? Just me. So it's all one person's opinion, right. So if you agree with the majority of it, then you probably agree with the book. If you think I'm off my rocker, then don't buy the book. Favorite Chicago tavern? Oh, in Chicago? That's a hard one. It's like, who's your favorite kid? Um, yeah, it depends what mood I'm in. I mean, I really am. Uh, I really like the deep at Labriola. It's too much to eat regularly, but the deep dish at Labriola, I think, is excellent. Do you mind if I give a bird story? Bird story, yeah. I, yes, I, I, okay, so I think I might as well throw in my two cents about birds. So remember some, well, for some of you, some years ago, Pequod's of Lincoln Park had a fire. And during that time, 
all the pizzas that were ordered in Lincoln Park originated in Morton Grove. And I'm on a website called LTH Forum where we talk about food endlessly. And somebody got on there one night and said, you know, if you really want to know what uh, Pequod's was, go to Burt's because Pequod's, Burt's would be Pequod's circa 1985. And the way it was done was sort of in a testy way, because normally the way people at LTH Forum respond is, really? That's a red flag, and off they go and try it. Silence. So a friend of mine comes into town, and she goes, do you want to go out for dinner? And I said, yes, but do you mind if we go to two different places in one night? She goes, what do you mean? I says, we need to go to this place called Burt's, and we need to go to this place Pequod's. Do you mind the challenge? She said, sure. And what we did, we ordered half pepperoni and half sausage. And at that time, Burns was a sleepy little operation. I would say the seating is smaller than what's in this little area right now. And uh, he played opera music, but he would often be wearing rock and roll t-shirts. I eventually found out these rock and roll t-shirts had something to do with his children leaving them at home. He being a practical guy, he wore them. So, you know, he's wearing like a deadhead t-shirt and he's playing opera with his old radios. And one of his sons was a detective in Chicago. So anyway, my friend and I, we went to, we went to uh, Burt's and then we went over to Pequod's and we took pictures. We did our usual analysis and our reaction was going to uh, Pequod's relative to Burt's. It was like at Burt's you were at the master pizza chef. When you went to Pequod's, you could see the lineage, but you know how it gets transferred from person to person, it kind of gets slightly diluted? That was kind of our experience of going to Pequod's. So we started going to Burt's. And then over time, it really picked up, then Sabora picked it up, and then Anthony Bourdain showed up. And I actually happened to be there on that episode of Anthony Bourdain in present, and you, you could see me, because I, I came early and sat in the front. I know how to get my picture on TV. But if you also look carefully, there's a lady across from me who looks like she's about to throw up. And she did eventually. But I was ready to grab my train. But Bert was a really good guy. The thing was, he had a limited amount of dough, and that's all he could, he could service. He only had one pizza oven. So I had warned some of my friends were not foodie people who didn't know the whole bird story and the ordering issue. And I said, if you go, order your pizza in advance when you place your reservation. They love their pizza so much. They said, can I take a pizza home? And they said, Bird got all wide-eyed. And they said, well, yes, can you wait 90 minutes? Because his oven was already committed. And I had my niece who was going to business school said, that place is stupid. They don't have, they could, they could franchise, they could do this. He said, Brittany, it's an old guy, he's in his 70s, and he could just choose one day simply to close. I didn't realize he was going to die, but, you know, but he was a great guy. He was, if he had time, he would sit around and talk to you, but the days of activity in got such that all he was really doing was keeping up with us. Then he got this grumpy reputation, it's really not so fair. Anyway, that's my first story.